It affects sales. It affects marketing. It's so much more than a stinking blog article. What it became over the course of time was a definitive framework for trust and brand authority. You're listening to the Endless Customers Podcast, where we help you earn trust and win customers in the age of AI. I'm your host, Alex Winter, and on this episode, we're joined by an all-around marketing and business expert, a keynote speaker, a partner at Impact, and the author of the best-selling book, They Ask You Answer, Marcus Sheridan. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here, man, and uh, tell some stories today, uh, talk about some They Ask You Answer, right? This is, this is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I think it's overdue, so... So let's make it happen. It's overdue. And you're in the studio. You're here in yeah. Connecticut. We're so happy to have you here. So really, thank you for your time. And I definitely want to talk about They Ask You Answer and really how it came to be. I want to hear your story. I think for our, our audience, because this is the kickoff to the show, our first episode, it's a great place to start where we can learn a lot about you and how They Ask You Answer became to be what it is today. You know, if you, I think it's the first line of the book, They Ask You Answer. Uh, I believe it says, nobody says, uh, when I grow up, I want to become a pool guy, right? I think that's the first line of it. And I didn't expect to become a pool guy either. I was actually uh, attending college at West Virginia University, got a job in Northern Virginia. Uh, so I moved to Northern Virginia after graduation. Didn't like my job and didn't like the area. My wife, I was married by that point, got married pretty young, and and uh, she didn't like it either. So he said, why don't we move back to, to where we grew up, which is the northern neck of Virginia. Okay. And so moved back there. And my two buddies, uh, Jim and Jason, had just started a swimming pool company called River Pools. And I, um, uh, they, came, they came to me and they said, you know, we have this little retail store that we've just opened up. We're going to try to sell hot tubs and chemicals, above ground pools, whatnot. Very nice. And yeah. we're going to install swimming pools out in the field. Could you do this? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it until I find what I want to do with my life. Like, until I figure this out, right? My job situation. Sure, you're and, fresh out of school. It's the first, yeah. I yeah, can, yeah. And yeah. I'm just not thinking this is this is, this is is not my future here. Like, right. you know, being a pool guy, right? So I uh, still, though, took it seriously and threw myself, uh, threw myself into it and learned everything I could while I was there. And six months into it, they came to me, my partners, and they said, hey, do you, do you want to be a partner, right? And I say my partners, but they eventually became my partners. And this was the first time. This was the first moment. I was I was just an employee. And they said, do you want to be a partner? I was like, no, nah, I don't know if I want that stress. So I turned them down at first. No kidding. And uh, then they came back to me again, and they said, really, we want you to be a partner. Uh, would you, you know, would you consider it? And so I said, yes. And that was 2001. That was 2001. And so we worked hard to to grow this company, but we had a lot of struggles. Uh, specifically, uh, a couple of years after we opened up the company, one of the big Achilles heels that that we had as an ownership group is we weren't very good with finances. Not that we were irresponsible with money, we just didn't understand things like cash flow statements, PL, PL reports, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was just. None of us had that as a skill set. And so we had hired a bookkeeper and we made this huge mistake of giving her uh, check signing authority. We didn't know that's not really something you're supposed to do. And it turns out that she was with us for about a year and a half and she embezzled a lot of money from the company. No kidding. And it happened right underneath our noses. And 
she didn't uh, pay our taxes. So she would go to the bank every Friday and she would tell me, hey, I'm going to make some deposits and I've got the taxes I got to pay. And so I'm going to go take care of this. Okay. So she would file our taxes and she wouldn't pay them. And so it turns out that she had this online gambling addiction and she was uh, opening up another like company with our money and we were financing it. And we could never figure out why can't, why can't we get ahead? And it was just constantly grinding and grinding. And so by 2000 and I guess it was five, not only were, were we in debt, but we had liens on our homes from the IRS. Oh my God. The IRS, you don't want to, they don't have any compassion if you've been embezzled from or stolen from. They just don't care, which I understand to a degree because everybody could say, oh, I was stolen from, right? If they try to cheat the IRS. Right. But- but that it wasn't the case in this clearly situation. wasn't the case. It was, you know, three ignorant guys when it came to financing, gave too much trust to someone. And she put us in this incredible hole. And she, you know, she actually went to jail. The feds came and they got her and they, you know, she, she ended up going to jail for a period of time, but it set us way back. Wow. And it really affected me in a lot of ways. And, uh, it, it, it stunk because 2005, six, seven, the beginning of eight, were really prosperous times in the swimming pool space. The economy was really strong. If you could breathe, you could get a loan for a pool at that time. Yeah, they were giving out loans for houses and, and Oh, it was anything. crazy. Yeah, it was they, crazy. It was, it was stupid. Mm -hmm. And so it was during this time that we were just trying to pay back these, I like, we were trying to pay the IRS. We were trying to get these loans released. And then, boom, we got the crash of 2008, right? Yeah. Just when I think we, we are starting to catch up. We're going to have a good year. We're finally going to turn a profit. We have a crash. And the so rub, we're nine years in now. Yeah, We're nine years in and we're in huge trouble. And I think, I think we're going to have to file bankruptcy at this point. The problem was we filed bankruptcy because how it works is you got all these loans that are business loans that are attached to your home. So now I'm going to lose my home. So I had the IRS with the still with the lien on my house and I was going to lose my home with the bank. It was a double, double whammy. How did how did that feel? You must have been overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed just hearing you tell the yeah, story there was, right now. There was a lot of like there was a lot of moments. I mean, I remember the the time that the IRS agent first came into our show, our little hot tub uh, showroom, and she says, "I'm putting liens on your house," and um, my. Partner Jason, his parents had co-signed one of our loans, and they even said we're gonna we could come after your parents, Jason. And Jason actually had a like a almost like a mild panic attack uh, in yeah. that moment, and that's when I realized how ruthless the IRS really is. Most people, hopefully, will never experience this, and it was uh, it was a bad time. And my wife was always on edge because she felt like. The house that we were in could be taken at any time. Yeah. That, that, that's not very fun. No, I can't even that's imagine. Tough. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, in 2009, it was so bad. My wife, she wouldn't even ask me when I got home, how was your day? She knew how my day was. I would, I would literally, uh, you know, check the account each day by calling the phone, like online system to see what her balance was. And this is before we had things like Mint or whatever, right? You know, I think we just couldn't check in immediately. Right. I had a call in and, and uh, I was constantly anxious. 
about it, man. It was a, it was a really rough time. But there is always a silver lining, right? Because when we go through pain, it forces us outside of our comfort zones. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Even though it's difficult, it does force those right. those and growing those growing opportunities, right? Yeah, at this point, we really had nothing to lose. Uh, I thought we were going to lose the business anyway. And so I, I became very willing to, to do something different and to think outside the box. And it was at that same time, beginning of 2009, that I had found HubSpot's website and this phrase, inbound marketing. And I was just immediately like, yep, 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 this is it. This is how I've changed as a buyer. I can see where this is going. It clicked. It made sense. Oh, it was was, was totally like, yep, yeah, I got it. And, of course, me, the way I think, I boiled it down even further. And I started studying HubSpot, inbound, content marketing. And, you know, really what I heard in my mind was, all right, if you just obsess over your customers' questions, worries, fears, and you're willing to address them on your website through what we called back then a blog, well, you could possibly save your business. So I literally one night, I said, all right, I sat on my kitchen table and I had a sheet of paper, pencil, and brainstormed every single question I can recall receiving as a pool guy because I was doing the in-home sales at that time. So I was getting questions all the time. Right. Pop, so pop, 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 pop. You had your finger on the, the pulse of, of... Yeah, I mean, I knew the customer. Right. I knew what they were fearing. Now, had you ever blogged before? Or have you ever written any content before? I had... I. Not much, okay. not much. In fact, if you look at the early days of the Riverpools uh, blog, it's not very good. I wasn't a very good, you know, writer at first, but I've always been a pretty solid communicator. Um, and okay. uh, just the written word had to catch up to my verbal, you know, skills. And so I brainstormed well over a hundred questions. And then one by one, I would just knock them out, usually somewhere between 1030 and 1230 at night. It's funny, my wife says during that time, because she knew, and I told her about this inbound thing, and, and I said, yeah, I need to stay up later, and I need to start blogging and writing these articles and educating the market. And uh, she said, okay, if that's what you feel like we need to, you need to do to save the company. But what's, what's always been just... Uh, Comforting to me is she said, I would, it's her words, I would go to bed at night, I would lay there in bed, and I could hear the sound of your fingers hitting the keys to the keyboard, and it would bring me comfort, knowing that it might get us out of this debt that we were in, and this struggle that we were in. And so she says, I still can look back and feel that that same feeling of the comfort of the keys. No kidding. Right? It's a really just a it was it was just just neat for me to hear her say that. Well, you it, were also putting in extra time. I mean, you're really yeah. I was by this point, I was working probably sixty five hours a week, consistent. I mean, I was you know, I was just always doing everything, always on the grind. Yeah, everything always you could. On the grind. It was man, that was the season of life, right? Right. That's what we do. Up to that point, I'd only worked harder as a business owner. That was always my solution: work harder and. I think inbound was the first time I started working smarter, right? Okay. And But I wanted everybody in the company, my two business partners, to understand what we were doing. So that's when I, that's when I basically said, we're just going to take all the questions that we've been asked and we're going to answer them on their website. And so I started doing it and I started to get great momentum. 
And I could quickly see that this is, this is taking off. I mean, we're starting to get more traffic. I could see the trust. I could see the leads start to come. I'm like, wow, this could actually save the business. Just by answering people's questions. Yeah, just by answering questions. And, and by, uh, so that was March 2009 when we started. We were HubSpot customer like 600 and something. And uh, today they have a couple hundred thousand, right? Yeah, it's exploded. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, by November of 2009, I said, I need, to, I need to tell the world what I'm doing. So I started a personal blog. I called it the sales lion because I had this like fascination with lions and sales sounded better than marketing lion. And it's a good um, name though. I like the name. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was first book I ever read because I had a had a reading disability as a kid was Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. And so Aslan had this big like impact on me, and that book had a big impact on me. And so I um I, I started a blog and I started to write about what I was doing. And then I started to get attention uh from different different people. Uh, and, and one of them was HubSpot, actually, and they uh, became like this early HubSpot influencer, if you will. And um, they invited me to speak at Inbound one time. This before it was Inbound. I think it was called like HubSpot User Group or Hug or something. But it was it was their, when they started having a conference. And I've, I've literally spoken at every single one of their conferences since they've had it. But this was the first one, and I can remember being on a panel, and I was, I was teaching people what I was doing. And I said, you know, so I just wrote all the questions down and I just answered them. It's essentially like they ask, you answer. That's just what I did. They asked, I answered. So they ask, you answer. And I could immediately see like everybody in the audience was, they were just writing stuff down. They were like scribbling, like they ask, you answer. They were vibing with it. They They were vibing with it. They just knew it. And I am the type that is very, very aware of my audience, right? I've always just been very keenly aware. And I said, that just landed. It was so simple and so understood by that audience. I said, this is it. This is what it's called. You had that light bulb. It's called They Ask You Answer. And that that was the moment I started saying the phrase, they ask you answer. But a lot of people don't know that it came from just being on a panel and answering a question about blogging and brainstorming questions uh, at a HubSpot event. Yeah. So that's where they ask you answer. It's like the serendipitous moment that just that just happened. It was like organically yeah. came yeah. to be. Wow. Yeah. It was really cool. And, you know, it, and so by this point, you know, around 2011, I really started to get momentum. Momentum because the pool company is now making a major comeback right? We're just dominating the industry. We're dominating the conversation. Nobody, you want to talk about a blue ocean, no swimming pool companies were producing content like this. And I was going so far beyond what anybody had ever thought to do. I mean, just crazy original stuff. Like, can you give us, yeah, give us an example. Like, like, of course, everybody knows that I was, uh, you know, our company was the first company to talk about how much does an in-ground pool cost? How much does a fiberglass pool cost? I mean, that was a huge barrier. But I did stuff that was really outside the box. Let me give you an example. I was in a store looking at magazines. And I saw, I think it was like Car and Driver. And it said Car of the Year or something like that. I said, you know what? I bet you I could do that with pools. And so I said, I'm going to come up with uh, an award system for the best fiberglass pool shapes and sizes. And I'm going to give an award basically out to all the different manufacturers I feel are worthy of it. Now, keep in mind, this is almost like, if you could imagine it, I was like a Ford dealer, right? And I said as a Ford dealer, 
I'm going to give out awards to Ford, Chevrolet, Toyota, etc. Right. Brand agnostic. You were just going right. to be unbiased. I was just like, I was just going to, like, I was literally going to give who I was selling against awards. So I gave out awards like, you know, best rectangular shaped fiberglass pool, best diving fiberglass pool, best freeform shaped fiberglass pool. And I did it for the year. And I think the first year I did it was like 2011 or 12, something like that. Okay. And suddenly I got the craziest reactions. So I had some manufacturers that was, were saying things like, well, what gives you the right to say that? And of course I'm thinking, well, the internet did. That's what gave me the right. And then I had other manufacturers and they didn't know me from Adam at the time, but other manufacturers were like, Hey, Marcus, I see we weren't on your list. We'd like to invite you to our factory to come do a tour. See, now that's really, that's really intriguing. Yeah, and so I was becoming this influencer. Did you expect that type of reaction to happen from? I didn't overthink of it, overthink it at the time, but I did know it was really outside the box. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was pretty bold. Nobody was doing it, but to me, it was very exciting. I was nervous. Usually when I hit the publish button, almost like sure. <laughs> all the time, sure. which is a really good sign. But you were also being honest. You were keeping it real. Yeah, I was totally keeping it real. And so I started getting crazy requests. Like, you know, uh, <clears throat> if you think about it, like it's 2000 and 2011, I'm in my early 30s. I remember I got a call one time from this person that was uh, in the Virgin Islands. And they said, Marcus, I'm having a fiberglass pool installed. I don't really trust my installer like I trust you. I feel like everything I've learned about fiberglass pools, I've learned from you, Marcus. Could you come out to the Virgin Islands and oversee my fiberglass swimming pool installation? That doesn't suck. That's crazy, right? That's, I mean, that's... Here's what's it. wild. I couldn't even turn on an excavator. Like, I knew... I had no skills to install the pool. Right, like the actual physical installation yeah. of the pool. But what right. I could do is I could talk to people in my team and I could translate what they said. So, you know, I'm like 33, 34 years old and the foremost expert of fiberglass pools in the world. But I knew almost nothing as to how to install them. And in fact, I didn't know much at all. I just knew how to take people's information, mainly my business partners, right? Jim and Jason took their information and, and I could, you know, I could just, I just wasn't afraid to talk about everything, man, everything. I compared manufacturers against each other. I talked about how we compared as, as a company, as an installer versus other installers in our area. And I didn't say, I didn't say negatives about our, you know, other installers. Mm -hmm. And so we had this incredible momentum and I learned really early on what it meant to influence online, what it meant to become a thought leader. And, and at, the, at the time, no one was really doing this. You were definitely <laughs> pioneering. Still to this day. Yeah. I mean, nobody was doing it. But in terms of really talking about your competitors online, I know for a fact I was the first person in the world to do that. Wow. You know, as, as, a, as a traditional business. I mean, nobody was coming close to doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. Right? And, man, I got threats, too, from lawyers and stuff like that. Like, you can't say these things. I'm like... Come on. He's like, I haven't said anything. Uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was pretty wild, pretty wild. And so by 2017, 18, by this point, I've got an agency. It's grown. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I'm a HubSpot partner. 
Yeah, talk about the growth a little bit. So River Pools, when you started it, when you started yeah. this initiative, so after that first speed bump with your with your uh, finance person, where did this this new initiative take the company and it expand into an agency and everything that had blossomed? Yeah, into? it was really wild because, you know, I, I, like, I had two um, coexisting paths in my life, actually three, because I was right around 2012, I started speaking. So I started the sales line 2009. Within two and a half years, I get my first speaking gig. And then as soon as I got a couple of gigs, I just took off uh, because that's the thing that I'm best at is being on a stage and helping an audience have a light bulb moment, right? And so as soon as that happened, I was just, man, I was just rocking and rolling. And, and I then got put in a position of, I got this agency that I'm now growing. I've, I'm becoming a professional speaker. I'm still a pool guy, but I don't have time to do the pool stuff anymore. And it seems like your passions were really yeah, my, turning more I was to just public being, speaking yeah, and helping yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, it's like I had this calling. Yeah, I had this crazy experience, if I can share it, where I gave a uh, almost like a like a conference at a. I spoke at a swimming pool conference. I was like the MC and speaker, and me and my business partner Jason, we, sp we both spoke there. But I did most of the speaking, and it was really magical. The event, and this was around 2000, maybe 12, 13. And we were on the plane coming back and, you know, we were on a high. It was just this cool moment. And he looks at me and he says, you're not supposed to be a pool guy. It's my business partner. Yeah. Saying you're not supposed to be a pool guy. He knew it in that moment. He, he, he knew that I was meant to do more than just be a pool guy. What was, so he says this, right? You're on the plane. Yes. He says this to you. What? What was the reaction? Like it was what? just, for me, it was really moving. I knew by this point I wasn't supposed to be a pool guy either, right? Okay. And so the fact that my business partner needs me but has the strength to say that is something I'll never forget. I'll always feel incredibly indebted to Jason because he said that, but also because he was, he's been the best friend in the world uh, to, to me. And so he would go on to uh, continue to grow River Pools, and I was able to step away. And since 2013, you know, I've only spent a couple hours a week with River Pools. I've, I've not been incredibly engaged. I had some oversight, you know, on some of the strategy and there for some of the leadership meetings. But as a whole, I haven't been very engaged because I was growing the speaking. I was spreading the word, the message that was They Ask You Answer. 2017, the book comes out, the first edition of They Ask You Answer. And it wasn't a big launch. It wasn't a lot of fanfare, right? Um, I didn't have a huge audience. I had some, and it sold some, but I didn't get an advance for it. And it, it, it was one of these things where, you know, I was, I was just grateful that somebody, Wiley in this case, was willing to uh, publish my, you know, my, my thoughts. What's crazy about They Ask You Answer 2 is I wrote that book in three weeks, I was going to ask, tell, tell us a little bit about the, what inspired the, the book and the process of like writing it and how, you, how that came to be. So by, by, by 2017, because of the agency, I had seen that They Ask You Answer worked in multiple industries. B2B, B2C, man, this stuff works. Transparency, honesty, it's got legs. It's got legs. And so I said, so cool. I said, I, I, I know I need to write this book. And I had felt it for a while, but I tend to procrastinate 
uh, pretty bad sometimes. But, you know, finally, once I, uh, once I had a, a contract with my publisher, then I knew I had to get it done. And of course, I procrastinated my deadline up until three weeks and I hadn't really done anything. Uh, and I had months to, to prepare. Tough. I hadn't it's done tough. anything. When you're looking at a blank page, yeah. it's uh, like... I just, I just have a weird thing with deadlines. But once I, once, I, once I sat down and started to write, forget about it, man. Yeah, it just and, started to flow. Yeah. And think about it. I've been speaking on They Ask You Answer now for, you know, four or five years. Yeah. I, knew, I knew the stories. I knew them, what resonated. I, I just understood the framework uh, so have, much better. You have real-world stories, too, and examples to share. So uh, Tons of examples. So... Yeah. So, you know, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't have wild success at first, but the people that read it loved it. And, uh, you know, just to fast forward to today, not to skip too much, but what's interesting about They Ask You Answer, it has actually sold more every single year since its existence. So in 2018, it sold more than 2017. In 2019, it sold more than 2018. And progressively, and now it's got well over 100,000 copies sold. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And That's the publisher's incredible. like, how does that happen? Like, how do, how does, it just doesn't generally happen with books that way. Usually it's the opposite. It sells real big the first year and then yeah. it tapers, so. Yeah, I mean, my book has sold way more than a lot of New York Times bestsellers. Wow. Right? And that's incredible. because, you know, oftentimes New York Times bestsellers are based on good marketing campaigns, not great books. All right? A great book is something that's being read five years after it's launched and is picking up in sales, right? Totally. So we know the principles of They Ask You Answer have legs. And what's been wild is the people that started They Ask You Answer early, with every single change that Google has made and update and all the things that we have seen evolve with the internet, those that have focused in on obsessing over their customers' questions, worries, fears, issues, concerns, and addressing them on their website they've had the last laugh every single time. They've been the most prepared for every single stinking update that Google has ever offered. When every SEO is freaking out and worried, oh my goodness, how's this going to affect things? The algorithm's changing. That's what do right. we do? Yep. That's right. Those yep. that were doing They Ask You Answer, they man, we were, we were born for this, right? This is, yeah. this is what, it's what we... Because ultimately, if you think, what, is, what does any search engine want? What does Google want? What does this, the searcher want? They want to find the best most specific, relevant answer to their question. And they want to find it as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Right? That's, that's what they want to do. Yep. That's what they want to feel when they go to your website. That's what they want to find when they're doing any type of search online. And that's certainly the experience that Google wants to offer and AI wants to offer that as well, right? Totally. And so it's been a really amazing ride uh, to, to watch it happen and to just see how it's grown. And now at this point with, with the agency, with the impact and coaching now, uh, hundreds and hundreds of companies all over the world of such diversity to become the most trusted voice in their space and to attain what we like to say is endless customers, right? And in fact, seeing other companies use it to attain endless recruits because they ask you answers this phenomenal recruiting tool because it turns out that people looking for a job do a heck of a lot of research, especially on your website if they're interested in you, right? And so we've seen the marketplace take the framework and just run with it and turn it in, in, into more than I even realized it was going to become. And I'll, I'll say one more thing about this. If I had written They Ask You Answer in, you know, let's say 2014, it would have just been a book about blogging. What it became over the course of time was a definitive framework for trust and brand authority, which equals growth. 
Those are the two biggest things. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And it affects sales. It affects marketing. It's so much more than a stinking blog article, right? It sounds more like it's a it's a mentality. It's a it's a way to drive your business and company culture and mission. It's it's like yes. it's much bigger than just writing blogs and being honest online. That's right. And yeah. and that has to me been one of the most satisfying things. And when the next version of it comes out, it's going to have that same like continuum feel to it that wow, this really is evolving. The, the, the framework is evolving with the marketplace. The beauty, though, is because it's rooted in trust, I know it's always going to be valid, but we're just going to have to continue to evolve it as the marketplace evolves, as our behaviors evolve. And um, I have no concerns that it's, you know, people say, is it going to still be effective in 10 years? And my answer to that is, is trust going to still matter to your business in 10 years? And the answer is immediate. I would yeah. Hope, yeah, I would hope so. Well, then do they ask you answer, Dag, on it? <laughs> do it. I love it. Marcus, thanks for sharing this story with us. It's fascinating. I can't wait to read this new book that's going to be coming out soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Let me just, I'll give a teaser. It's going to have a lot about AI. And we we've seen so many agencies out there afraid to speak about AI and teach AI to their clients, right? Totally. And why is this? Because they think they're going to become redundant. Whereas at Impact, we feel like as a, as a coaching and training company, we feel like it's our fiduciary to make sure our clients are prepared for the future. And so they ask you answer, the, the next version of it, they ask you answer is evolving. And one thing that's held it back though, is a lot of people haven't understood the power of the book, because the book shares the framework, not the payoff. Okay. And so we want to make sure that the book gets in the hands of a million people, not just a couple hundred thousand people, right? And so uh, you should look forward to that. I'm excited uh, about the book. I'm excited about the future. And I think there's going to be a lot more they ask you answers in the future. This is not this is not something that's... that's uh, going to slow down anytime soon because trust isn't going to slow down anytime soon. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm really excited to hear all this breaking news about <laughs> the book. Um, if you could just take a look at the camera, let people know what's going on in your world and how they can get in touch with you if they have questions or they want to reach out. Yeah. If you want to reach out to me, I'd love to just uh, speak with you directly. You can find me at Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. That's my personal email, Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. You can also see me a lot on LinkedIn, and I've started to do more on social on other areas as well, like Instagram uh, and uh, TikTok. And so um, I, hope to, I hope to connect with you if you're watching this, and um, maybe we'll see each other at an event as well. That'd be nice. Marcus, thanks again. And thank you to everybody out there listening to the Endless Customers podcast. And hey, don't forget that we have episodes every Monday and Wednesday releasing on all major platforms. So be sure to go subscribe. That way you won't miss out on how you can earn trust and win customers in the age of AI.